This is our year of release. Watch this. this year? Anybody need release? I believe that this year, 2014, in our year of Jubilee, it's going to be a year of release. I want you to open your Bible to Leviticus chapter 25. Turn there with me today. Leviticus 25. Verse number 10 says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. And each of you shall return to his possession. Each of you shall return to his family. Father, thank you for your presence in this room. Clearly, you are here. You've come today, God, with with strength and with power. You've come today with liberty and freedom. We ask God that you would speak to us now. Show us your word. Teach us your word. We give you praise as we pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. The scripture here in Leviticus declares that the 50th year is to be the year of Jubilee. And thank you, Pastor Moses and music department, singers and band and choir. That was just so powerful and so pertinent today. Jubilee, the year of liberty, the year of celebration. You see, in the year of Jubilee, it was God's way of pushing a reset button. God's way of leveling the playing field, as it were. It was a year of freedom and liberty, a year of celebration. This is our year of Jubilee. It is definitely my year of Jubilee. I turned 50 just a few weeks ago. And so as the pastor of this church, I felt God saying to me to tell you, it's not just a year of Jubilee for me. It is for La Palma Christian Center, a year of celebration, a year of liberty. It's our year of Jubilee. 
In this year of Jubilee, it will be a year of recommitment. We are to consecrate or set aside our hearts, our lives, our homes, consecrate unto the Lord. It's a year of recommitment. I want you to commit your life to God. Consecrate yourself to God this year as never before. It's a year of rest. Aren't you glad for rest? We're going to rest this year. Physical rest is going to come, and as physical rest comes, strength comes. Emotional rest is going to come. You're actually going to be able to sleep at night. You won't be up at all hours. I'm believing that this is a word from God for our church. And as emotional rest comes, peace comes. It will be a, a year of spiritual rest as well. And what I mean by spiritual rest is resting in the knowledge that God is in control. And we have confidence that comes to us. We don't have to worry anymore. You don't have to fret. Just rest in God. Your spiritual rest will bring confidence and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But this year of Jubilee, I want to declare today, is a year of release. Somebody say release. release. Come on, elbow your neighbor gently and tell him release is coming. Come on, release is coming in 2014. Release is coming in our year of Jubilee. The scripture clearly tells us, I taught on this a few weeks ago, let me just refresh. In the year of release, the year of Jubilee, land was released. Opportunity was given for redemption or restoration of land. If in fact a person lost land, then over time, that person had the opportunity to buy that land back or a family could buy that land back. But in the year of Jubilee, if you could not redeem the land back, guess what? It was released back to its proper owner. Verse number 33 of Leviticus 25 tells us, But if he is not able to have it restored to him, this land, then what was sold shall remain in the hand of him who bought it until the year of Jubilee. In the year of Jubilee, it shall be released and he shall return to his possession. How many are ready for some things to be released from God into your life? Things to be released, some land to be released, some inheritance possibly to be released. It could happen this year. In the year of release, the year of Jubilee, land was released, but man was also released. If you could not pay your debt, then the way that you were to pay your debt was you became enslaved to the one that you owed. You became really part of their property. There was opportunity for a slave to buy his way out or to redeem himself. But if he had the money to buy himself out, he would not be a slave in the first place, right? So although there was opportunity, the opportunity was so slim that few ever found the means to buy themselves out, and so they just stayed a slave. Even their family could buy them out, but I know for me, I've, I, I, I have a full plate with a wife and three kids, and to feed them and to take care of all my bills, so to imagine trying to help somebody else out, that's not easy, is it? And so few families could actually redeem that slave out. 
Now, when the person became a slave, it was, it was the person and all of his family. Yes, Stella, she's going to talk to me today. I like it. So not just, not just the man, all of his family would also become enslaved to the one that they owed the money to. But in the year of Jubilee, hallelujah, verse number 54 tells us, if he is not redeemed in the years up to the Jubilee, then he shall be released in the year of Jubilee. And not only he, but he and his children with him. Somebody say release. release. 2014, here we are. Can you even believe it? It's the year of Jubilee, a year of release. I want you to jot down a few notes. There are three areas of release that I believe are coming for this church. Now, you can either get in the boat with me and all those who will get in the boat with me, or you can just see this boat sail right by you and wonder why you didn't get your release. You're going to have to get with me. You're going to have to take hold of the word from the Lord that I am declaring to you that I believe God would say to you. So it's really up to you if you experience any release this year. We're getting in a train, and this train is taking off. It's pulling out of the station, but you can sit there and watch and wave as we go by, or you can get on board with us. You want release? Come on and get in the boat. Come on and get in the train. Three areas of release for La Palma Christian Center in 2014. First of all, the enemy's about to release some things. <laughs> Satan's release. I am a child of the 70s. I was born in 63, and so I grew up throughout the 70s. I had the bell bottoms, and I, you know, I had it all. How many, how many children, how many, how many children of the 70s do we have in the house here today? Disco fever and, you know, all of that Saturday night fever. How many remember uh, uh, Flip Wilson? He had a show that aired in the 1970s, Flip Wilson. And Flip Wilson had an alter ego. Do you remember his alter ego? Geraldine Jones was Flip Wilson's alter ego. He dressed up like a woman. And I'm just telling you, anybody remember seeing Geraldine? You want to see something that's really funny and clean? Go back on, you can, you can YouTube Geraldine Jones, Flip Wilson, and I'm telling you, it is funny, funny stuff. But Geraldine had a tagline. And, and she, he, became very famous for this phrase. Do you remember what it was? Come on now, the devil made me do it. I was looking for a little clip and I couldn't find it, but I listened to this one little sketch that he did, she did, and, it, and Geraldine, this sketch was called, The Devil Made Me Buy That Dress. <laughs> it's hysterically funny and super, super clean. But Geraldine, she would just blame everything on the devil and she'd say, The devil made me do it. You know, the devil doesn't make us do everything that we do. I think a lot of Christians want to also take that tagline and make it part of their life and say, well, I didn't have any power. The devil made me do it. Well, the devil doesn't make you do anything. We all have a choice 
what we will do that is good and what we will do that is not good, what we will do that is right and what we will do that is not right. Don't live your life saying that the devil made you do anything because he doesn't make us do anything. We are not puppets on a string that the devil manipulates and causes us to do what we do and say what we say. We're sons of God. We are daughters of, of Zion. Hallelujah. So the devil doesn't make us do anything. And I don't think we ought to blame him for everything. I think, we, I think there are definitely attacks from the enemy. And certain things we could attribute to the enemy, yes. But not everything is of the devil and the devil doesn't cause all of the wrong some of it is just our own bad choices help me today church we're gonna blame the devil for some things that he didn't even have any part of and he just sits back shrugs his shoulders and laughs sure I'll take it but it, it was my own selfishness it was my own pride it was my own anger it was my own lust but there is a few things that I think we should understand when we talk about Satan we should understand that he's got a job to do. Do you, do you know that? Are you aware that there is a task, an assignment, a job? Satan's job clearly defined in John chapter 10 and verse number 10. The thief, the devil, he does not come except to what? Steal, to kill and to destroy. There it is. As you go through life, may you have a full awareness the devil has a job to do and he's never going to stop. I want you to understand not just the devil's job description. I think it's only fair, only right that we understand the devil's characteristics. John 10.10 10 clearly tells us he's a thief. You ever had anything stolen from you? How many have ever had somebody take something from you? Ken, I had my own painting business some years ago, and I had accumulated quite a toolbox full of my supplies and the tools that I needed in order to be successful at my job. I say Ken because he's a great, great contractor and, and has a lot of tools. You know, I woke up one morning and somebody had broke in my truck and taken all of my tools. That made me so mad. Stealing from me. When I worked hard for it, and the devil is a thief, he comes in and steals away day after day after day. He's not only a thief, he's a murderer. John chapter 8. Look at this in verse 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the very beginning. Doesn't stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. He's a murderer. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's a liar. The devil's a liar. The last part of this verse in John 8, 44, when he speaks, it's a lie. 
He speaks from his own resource, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Church, if the devil's talking to you, it's a lie. Because the devil is a lie. The devil is a liar. Don't have a conversation with the devil. Why do people do this, Karen? They want to hold some kind of conversation with the devil and talk things out with the devil. I, I've seen people, you know, there is real demon uh, possession and, and, and demonic oppression. And, you know, there's real demons in the world. I, I, I hope you understand that. But I'm not chasing after demons, and I'm not looking for a demon under every rock, and I'm not spitting up demons in bags. Come on, somebody. But I've seen people, they're into this demon uh, possession and, and, and deliverance, right, casting out demons. I'm not minimizing this. But I wonder why in the world somebody would try to have a conversation with a demon. What's your name? How many are you? Like we're some disciple in the, in the, in the Word of God. If you're going to have a conversation with the devil, you better be prayed up, you better be read up, you better be ready to fight. That's nothing to just flippantly engage in. Because I also read where the demons came out of somebody and they went right on the person that was trying to cast them out. We can't mess with that, Miss Rose. We can't mess with that. I'm not saying we're going to run from the devil or any of his demons. No. But that realm, that supernatural realm that is unseen, there's power in that realm. God has more power. There's more power in Jesus. And he is in us, yes. But so, much, so many Christians are full of themselves, are full of the world, are even a little bit full of the devil, you know. I know it doesn't sound right. It, it sounds like an oxymoron, but there's so many people that are not full of God. They have a little bit of God and, and a lot of something else. You can't go and engage in the enemy, engage in the devil. He's going to beat you up. He's a liar. If he speaks at all, it's a lie. Don't have a conversation with him. He's a deceiver. Even from the very beginning, uh, Eve said, Genesis 3, The Lord God said to Eve, What is it that you have done? And Eve said, The devil made me do it. <laughs> the serpent deceived me, and so I ate. Of course he deceived you. He is a deceiver. He's going to try to make things look differently than they really are. He's going to paint a, an end scenario that's not accurate, not true, because he's a deceiver. The enemy is relentless, another characteristic of the, of the enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant. In other words, wake up and be on guard. Don't be caught off guard. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You ever seen an animal documentary where the, where the lion is stalking its prey? He doesn't just bound onto the field, does he? Roaring. 
He's got the roar. He's the king of the jungle. That's, everybody knows that. But what he does when he's seeking a prey is he'll hide in the, in the, in the brush. He'll hide in the high grass, perhaps. And he'll just wait and wait and wait, seeking the right moment to pounce, seeking the right moment to jump. And that's what the enemy is like. The devil is like a, a, a roaring lion. He's just waiting on the right time to tempt you again. And he, he's got all the time in the world, right? Well, he thinks he does. He's actually not got all the time in the world because he's going to be bound eternally to hell on one day. He has some time now, and he is trying to convince those of us who walk the earth and deceive us. But don't be deceived. Be always alert and sober and aware. I want you to also be aware of his success. I'm trying to talk to you about the enemy, first of all, because we're about to tell him to release some things. But we have to know our enemy. His job description, his characteristics, his success. He's been very successful at what he's done, hasn't he? Look throughout time. He has succeeded over and over and over. Lying, deceiving, murdering, stealing, destroying. And that's the overview. That's the broad view. How about bringing it home, so to speak? And maybe really bringing it home, literally bringing it home. You know yourself better than I. Satan has successfully imprisoned our families, bound by alcohol, bound by drugs, bound by lust and pride, bound by resentment and anger, bitterness. Satan has successfully stolen from us. Worry has replaced peace. Division has replaced unity. Doubt has replaced faith. Fear has replaced confidence. Sadness has replaced joy. And because Satan has a track record of some success, hatred has replaced love. But La Palma Christian Center, hear me today. This is our year of jubilee. It's the year of release. Come on and holler release one more time. Release, release, release. And I'm believing that the enemy is going to release. You have a threefold weapon. You have to fight the enemy. Are you ready to fight him? Here's how we fight the enemy. You ready, Randy? You ready? You tired of being beat up and imprisoned? It's time for release, my friend. It's time for your release, my friend. Here's our weapon, Pastor Dave. It is the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus, at which every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess. The name of Jesus that when spoken, demons still tremble. Demons still flee at the name of Jesus.
This is why we call the elders forward. This is why we anoint with oil and we conclude every prayer in Jesus' name because there's no power in my name. There's no power in your name. But in the name of Jesus, blinded eyes still open up. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, those who are crippled can walk holy. In the name of Jesus, those who are stumbling and wandering in the darkness, they come and they find the light. In Jesus' name. Use that weapon, the name of Jesus. What is our weapon? The blood of Jesus. Here's another aspect of our weaponry. The blood of Jesus. While many denominations have worked feverishly to take the blood of Jesus out of hymns and, and reword even the Bibles, believe it or not, because it's too bloody, it's too gory, it's, it's too warlike. I say leave it in there because it's only because of the blood of Jesus that all of my mistakes have been covered. It's only because of the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that all of my wrongs and all of my sins have been covered. There is still a fountain that flows from Emmanuel's vein and those who are plunged in the blood of Jesus, all of their sins and all of their mistakes are forgiven. How many are thankful today for the blood of Jesus? Hallelujah. I get preaching and I get spitting a little bit. But I love the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no, only the blood of Jesus. And there's still power in Jesus' blood. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. Power to forgive us of our sins. Power in the blood to heal us of our diseases. Come on, somebody get up on your feet for just 15 seconds and give God thanks today for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on and plead the blood of Jesus over your marriage today. Plead the blood of Jesus over your children today. Plead the blood of Jesus over your home and over your workplace. Plead the blood of Jesus over your property. Hallelujah. Because there's still power in the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. One more aspect of our weaponry and how we're going to fight the devil and tell him to release this year. It's the word of God. Come on, somebody, hold up your, your sword today. Hold up your sword today. Hallelujah. Are you ready to go out into the battle and fight the enemy with the sword of the Spirit? The problem is there's too many people. Your sword is dull. It's not sharp. You've left it on the shelf too long. It's gotten rusty. You see, you've got to oil. Hallelujah. You've got to oil the sword and make sure that it's ready for battle at any moment and on any day. And the way that you are ready with the sword of the Spirit is you open up the Word of God and you get in the Word of God and then the Word of God can get in you. Don't think you're just going to lay it on your head and it's just going to automatically by osmosis get into you. You actually have to open it. You actually have to read it. You actually have to study it. You actually have to meditate on it. You actually have to delight in it. And then the word of God begins to get active on the inside of you. And when the enemy comes, you can say, thus says the Lord, the word of God, it is written just like Jesus did. And the enemy has to flee because this is a powerful, powerful weapon. Hallelujah. And there's no excuses. 
We've got the leather-bound edition. We've got the tablet edition. We've got our phones with every version you could ever want and a hundred more that you'll never read, but there it is just in case you ever need it. Release. Release. Fight the enemy with the authority that God has given you. Then you can go toe-to-toe. You can tell him a thing or two. And this is really the only time you should have conversation with the enemy and it should be a one-sided conversation. You tell him to shut up and listen. Because anything he says to you is a lie. I don't got time to listen to you right now, enemy. You're going to shut your mouth and you're going to listen to what I have to say according to the word of God. You don't have authority and power over me and so you must release the captives. This year, the enemy is going to release the captives. Are you ready for those who are bound in your family to be released? Hallelujah. You thought I was tripping. I just felt the Holy Ghost right there. Come on, your sons are going to be released in Jesus' name. Your, your, your nieces and nephews, hallelujah. Those wayward wanderers, they're going to be released in the name of Jesus. Your mother, your father, those, those ones who you, you've almost given up on. God didn't give up on them, Cora. They're going to be released. The devil's going to release your family this year. There's a release coming this year. Hallelujah. The devil has to release the captives. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if there's somebody you're praying for right now, jump up on your feet and just let the Holy Ghost come up on the inside of you and begin to intercede for them right now. We're just going to take about 30 seconds and i got to preach the rest of this, but I feel an anointing that the enemy is going to release. Come on, tell him in the name of Jesus. The blood of Jesus covers them. They will come to a saving knowledge of Christ. They will fulfill their purpose and their destiny in Christ. We speak the word of God, hallelujah, and we declare that our family will come in. Just as the jailer was saved and his family, so our families will be saved in Jesus' name. God, we're believing this, and we ask you now, Lord, to use us and to send other people their way. Let this be the year that the captives are released. Take your seat. Not only are the captives going to be released, I'm sorry, those who are running the cameras, I'm sorry. I just can't stand still today. <laughs> it's the year of release for us, church. I'm believing this. The enemy can't hold them. The captives are going to be released. The spoils are going to be released. Aren't you tired of the enemy coming and stealing everything away from you? Taking what doesn't belong to him this year, the spoils are going to, to be released. We're going to go into the enemy's camp and take back what the enemy stole from us. Hallelujah. Come on, tell him you can't have it. You can't have it. You can't have it in Jesus' name. Somebody needs to go and get your peace back. Somebody needs to go and get the unity back in your home. Go and get your faith back. Go and get your confidence back. Get your joy back. Get your love back. This is the year of release for La Palma Christian Center. Somebody shout release. release. Hallelujah. That's just the first aspect of release that's coming. The enemy is about to release. But it's going to get better. You ready for this? Number two, God's release. Oh, I thought somebody might get happy with me right there. 
Imagine God opening up what's in his hands and just pouring it out. Imagine God throwing up some windows and opening up some doors and beginning to release in your life and in your home those things that you lack right now. God is about to release something in 2014. God's release is threefold. Jot this down. First of all, God's going to release blessings. I like blessings. <laughs> Y'all like blessings? It sure beats the alternative. A blessing is better than a cursing. I told the pastors this. I believe it bears repeating only for the sake of the congregation. But pastors, I believe that part of our role and part of our anointing and calling is to speak blessings. You'll notice from time to time, I will tell you, you're dismissed. Go with God. Be blessed and be a blessing. This is not just some cute little phrase. I'm actually declaring blessing over your life and blessing on your life. And I believe it works. You look throughout scripture and you see the apostles, the disciples, the prophets, all declaring blessing on people and on churches. How many want to be blessed by God in this new year? The blessing of God to come on you. Yesterday I took Butler to a concert. It was her very first date. She turned 16 and I thought her first date ought to be with the best person she could ever have a date with. She's not technically going to date until she's 17. We changed the rules when she turned 16. But I took, I took Butler on a date last night. And we went to a concert, Phil Wickham, and boy, it was just, it was great. I enjoyed last night so much, Butler. I really did. And I'm proud of who you are and, and who you're becoming and what you're allowing God to do in your life. I wanted to give her flowers. I opened, you know, I, I knocked on the door so mom could open the door. And I just went through the whole routine of what a, what a date ought to do, at least for my daughter. They're not going to honk the horn outside my house. I promise you that. They're not going to honk the horn. They're just ride right on. So I went to the flower shop. Matilda, she owns this great, great flower shop, and she's got such a gift of putting flowers together. She used to be across the street, and she moved. So I went. She's in Cyprus now. I went to see Matilda, Marissa, and um, she said, well, where's your wife? And she's a Filipino lady, and she just, she's full of fire. She made me a three-rose little bouquet, just simple, easy. I said, well, I got to go. I, I, you know, I got a lot to do. And she said, oh, no, you can't go until you speak blessing over me. So I just put everything down. And I just pushed pause and I took hold of her hands and, and I just said, God, I pray you would bless Matilda. Bless her home. Bless her family. Bless this business, God, and all who would even come into it. She would not let me go until I would speak a blessing over her life. And that's just me speaking a blessing over someone. I want you to get this today. God's about to open his hands. God's about to open his windows. God's about to open his doors and pour out blessings so much 
it's going to come upon us, and then it's going to overtake us. Look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Now, it shall come to pass if, somebody say if. Yeah. I'll get back to that in a moment, but don't forget this word. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Watch this. And all these blessings, come on and say all these blessings. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the increase of the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in. Blessed shall you be when you go out. Is anybody ready for the blessing of God to be poured out from heaven, released from his hand? God is going to release his blessing in your life. If. Uh-oh. Come on, look at your neighbor say if. Little bitty word. But don't shout me down yet about God's blessing if you're not ready to do your part. God said we've got to do something and then he'll do something. If, if you obey his voice, if you observe his commandments. It's really simple actually, but we miss it. And we want to get to the blessing part of God. We want to be blessed in the city. We want to be blessed in the country. We want to be blessed coming in and blessed going out. Blessed when we rise. Blessed when we lay down. Our dogs blessed, our cats blessed, our fish blessed. We don't have cattle anymore, you know. But basically, he's just saying everything that's in your life and everything around your life and everything that your life touches is going to be blessed. Can you imagine everybody in your workplace being blessed because God blessed you? The whole thing coming up just because of the blessing of God that is on your life and operating through your life. That's what kind of blessing is coming, I believe, in 2014. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? There's another blessing that's coming. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10 says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there would be food in my house, says God. Try me now in this and see if I won't open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that you won't even be able to contain it all. Imagine God opening up heaven and pouring out such a blessing on you. You can't even keep it all. You can't even receive it all. You've got to share it with somebody else. He wants to do it, but here's another if. You've got to do your part, and then God will do his part. You want financial blessing. Then reevaluate your giving. If you want God to give to you, then... Come on, somebody. Give to God. And give to God what belongs to God. We have just finished tallying the year in giving for 2013 for La Palma Christian Center. And anybody who gave 10 cents or more, you can get your record out in the foyer today. But I'm shocked, church, I, I've got to tell you. I'm shocked at how few 
in La Palma actually tithe and make sure that the whole runs properly. I think it grieves the heart of God, quite honestly. And I urge you, I implore you to really evaluate what you are giving to God and to the causes of God in order to receive from God. It's just how God works. It is just His plan for blessing you financially. It's hard to feel sorry for someone when they're the ones in control of the blessing. Uh, you know, you've got your hand on the, on the faucet, so to speak. You, you don't want to open it up to let it pour out of you, but you want God to open it up so it'll pour out of him. You've got to open up the faucets and let it flow out of you generously in order for God. And when God opens up his faucet, you're going to be saturated. You're going to be soaked. You're gonna, it's going to blow your mind. You want the blessing of God financially? How many want the blessing of God financially? Do your part. Do your part. And I promise you God will do his part. It's the only place in scripture that he invites us and allows us to test him. The only place in scripture that he says, try me, test me. So take six weeks and test him. Take six months and test him and see if God won't do what he promised he would do. God's releasing his blessing. God's also... The second part of God's release is God's release of power. Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power. Say power. power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all around the world. God wants to release his power to us. This comes as a result of his Holy Spirit. If you have never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I believe, this church believes, and our denomination, the Assemblies of God, we believe that this is an, an experience that is separate from salvation, and it's for all who desire this still today. We believe that you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues as the Spirit enables you to do so. But we also believe that it's not just a one-time event. How many have ever been baptized with the Holy Spirit and you've spoken with new tongues? The vast majority here. That's probably why you're here because we are Pentecostal. We still believe in this. We still encourage this. Now, I understand there are some other folks. You are from other uh, backgrounds and maybe other denominations. We're thrilled you're here. We really are. You know, we're glad you're here. But we also believe that it's not just that one event when I was baptized. I must continue to have the Spirit in my life. And the power that I need to be that witness. And God wants to release that into my life every day. And so I pray in the mornings before my day gets going and before I get full of the world or full of myself or full of the devil. Come on, somebody. I pray that I would be empty of myself every day and that God would then fill me with his Holy Spirit. And he does it. He does it. He releases his power into my life so that every day I could actually live the life that he's called me to do because on my own, I'm... I'm no fun to be around. On my own and full of myself, Mitch, I'm just telling you, it's ugly. 
So I have to empty myself of myself and die to myself every day so that the Spirit of God might live in me. And I can't just pray it in the morning. Guess what? i got to keep on praying that throughout the day because hopefully I'm spilling some of that out on somebody else or somebody comes to me in an emergency situation and says, Pastor, uh, I, I, just, I just lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. And they tap into me, Pete, and they begin to pull on the anointing and on the power that is in me and they begin to drain it out of me. And I thank God that it happens almost every day. But if I didn't leave from helping you, you know, putting the, putting the uh, jumper cables on you, so to speak, and getting you going again and put, pouring some power into you, then I leave and I'm half empty of the, of the Holy Spirit and the power, then what am I going to do? Because then somebody else is going to come to me and, and, and tell me, you know, my wife decided she's going to leave me, and they drain all the rest of it out. So we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let God release His power to us early in the morning and then throughout the day. Fill me with your Spirit, God. Fill me with your Spirit because it doesn't take too many steps to get full of yourself. It, it doesn't take too many steps to get full of the world. You're driving down the freeway trying to be a good Christian and all of a sudden there's some billboard and all at once your mind starts racing and you get full of the world and a little bit full of yourself and, and the power drains out of you. This is the year of release, folks. God's going to release His blessing. God's going to release His power so that you can be the witness that God has called you to be. There's more, one more release with God. It's the release of God's anointing. God's anointing in 2014 is going to be released with a freshness and a newness. A new anointing, I believe, is coming on our lives. This release of anointing, it just goes hand in hand with the release of God's power. Remember, the anointing is simply God's ability applied to us. God's ability rubbed or smeared on us. To anoint is to rub or to smear. When I shave my head, I rub this head with lotion. Imagine God pouring lotion into his hand and then rubbing that all together and then reaching down and rubbing that on you. Chuku, come here. Come here, buddy. You got a bald head like me. Mm, 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 mm. And you are the sharpest dresser I have ever seen in my life. Whew. I mean, I touched this brother and I'm like, I'm going to get cut because he's just sharp as a razor. But imagine this. God's smearing up his hands, only it's not lotion, it's his ability. And then he breaks through the atmosphere and he reaches his hand down and he begins to just rub that all over you. His ability applied to you, applied to your lips so that you say what he would want you to say, applied to your hands. He, he anoints your hands so when they reach out, they're, they're full of his power and his strength, uh, uh, anointing your feet so he would, could guide and direct every step that you take. That's the anointing that's coming on you and your family. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's supernatural ability. Ability we don't have in our own strength, in our own self. You're not cute enough to come up with the ideas that God wants to give you. You're not clever enough. You're not smart enough. None of us are. But with the anointing of God, we begin to open our mouths and things we had never thought to say uh, begin to come out of our mouth. With the anointing of God, all at once we take a turn left when we thought we were going to turn right. And God leads us to a situation. He leads us to a family. He leads us to a person because there's a new anointing that God is going to release in our lives. 
the gifts of the Spirit, let it be stirred in you. You're not going to need the gifts of the Spirit once you get in heaven, folks. You need it now. We need the gifts of the Spirit right now. And yet too many don't operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I, I'm urging my pastors especially, pray for the gifts of the Spirit to be alive and active in your life. Pray that God would give you courage to be used as He sees fit, of course. But that's for all of us, folks. Under the anointing and the unction of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 61.1, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Hallelujah. I'm going to read this scripture, and if you want a new anointing, I want you to lift a hand right now. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me, hallelujah, to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. This is our year of jubilee. This is our year of release. And I'm believing that God is going to release His blessings, that God is going to release His power, that God is going to release on our lives a new anointing. And with that anointing, we will preach the good news. We will heal the brokenhearted. We will proclaim liberty to the captives and open doors to those who are bound in the prison. God, anoint me. There's one more area of release. And I believe this is the most critical. I've preached to you today about Satan's release and captives being released, the spoils being released. We've spent some time believing God for His release of blessing and power and anointing, but this release is my release. Well, my release, your release. How can we tell Satan to release the captives, to release the spoils, when we're carrying so much baggage that we need to release? Hello? How can we successfully receive all the blessings and all the power and all the anointing that God wants to release when we're already full of the cares of life and carrying so many of our own issues? What are you carrying that you need to release? Fear of failure? Well, what if you do fail? You know, failure is one of the best teachers ever. What are, you, what are you carrying that you need to release? Hurt from someone you trusted? Hurt from some past event? It's time to release it. What are you carrying that you need to release? Anger? Bitterness, disappointment, pride, lust, guilt, regret, shame, the list goes on. We carry a lot of baggage. And we all have legitimate hurts. We all have legitimate circumstances that happen somewhere back here in our, in our life. You know mine very well. My mother died. 14 years old, I was mad at God. You know my story, most of you. 
And you have your own story. You have some bit of a testimony. And sometimes it just keeps us frozen. Keeps us paralyzed. But this is the year that we release. We want God to release. When you release what you have, God will release what He has. When you let go of what's in your hand, I believe God will let go of what's in His hand. I've got to close this out. Moses gave God what he had. God called Moses to deliver his chosen people. And Moses said, God, what, what if they won't believe me? Look at Exodus chapter 4 real quick. Moses answered and said, suppose they won't believe me. Suppose they won't listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? Moses said, you mean this? This? It's just a rod. God said, cast it on the ground. So, Moses cast it on the ground. And what happened when Moses cast it on the ground? Summer? It turned into a snake. That's exactly what the scripture says to us. It became a serpent. And so Moses did the right thing. He ran from the snake. Sounds like a good thing, right? So what's, what's God said? He said, hang on a minute, Moses. No, no, no. Get back here. Then God said, pick it up. Can you imagine? Has God ever called you to do some crazy things? God ever asked you to do something and you said, Lord, I don't think I heard you right. He told Moses, go back and pick it up. So Moses, he's not going to get by the head, but he gets it by the tail at least. And as soon as he touched it, what happened, Summer? That's what the Bible tells us. Now watch this. The rod in Moses' hands, it represented strength. It represented a, a security, maybe even some bit of authority. But as he released it to God, God transformed it. And then God put it back in his hand. But when it came back into his hand, it wasn't the same, was it? Then all at once, the rod became a symbol of God's power, God's provision, God's authority. We see the rod of God. It's even called the rod of God later, isn't it? It was just a rod, first of all, in Moses' hands. But as he released it to God, and God put it back in his hand, then it became the rod of God. We see it making an appearance in the miraculous signs to Pharaoh. We see it making an appearance at the Red Sea. We see the rod of God actively involved in the miracle of providing water from the rock. What's in your hand? A little boy went to see what all the fuss was about. He heard about some crazy man making eyes open and ears open. So his mom says, well, before you go, let me just pack you a lunch. 
So mom packs this little boy a lunch and he goes to see what all the fuss is about. And in John chapter 6, Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude coming toward him. He says to one of the disciples, Philip, where shall we buy bread so everybody can eat? But he said this because he was trying to test Philip. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be sufficient for them. And that would just be to give everybody one bite. One of his disciples, Andrew, who is Simon Peter's brother, he said, but there is a little boy that has a sack lunch. Five barley loaves and two small fish. And I like this question. But what are they among so many? The lunch represented sustenance and provision for one little boy in his hands. But as he released it to Jesus, and Jesus took from him, and then Jesus blessed it, and broke it, and he multiplied it. It became a source of provision and sustenance and strength and a point of the miraculous for not just one but for many what do you need to release to God in this year of release you want God to release into your life you've got to let go of what you're carrying Pastor Moses I don't suppose we could get the choir back up here and the band and singers and I want to do Jubilee one more time. Choir, could you come? I want you to bow your heads as the choir prepares themselves and I want you to think about this. What is in your hand? And I feel strongly that everyone, everyone has something that God wants you to release. And I'm believing the Holy Spirit to bring that to your, to your mind right now. He's going to show you what you need to release. And as soon as we get this song going, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I want you to come to this front and symbolically, church, we are going to release what we are carrying. Frustration, confusion, regret, guilt, bitterness, anger, lust, pride, disappointment, discouragement. Hello, God. See, he's calling us right now. <laughs> Jose, tell him you're at church. <laughs> tell him to call you back. Release. It's the year of release, La Palma. You ready, choir? You ready, Pastor Moses? Yes. Come on, let's do this song. Everybody's standing. And as soon as we start, I'm going to invite you to this front. And we are together going to release what is in our hand so God can release what's in his hand.